goes uh, tonight, we're talking about dealing with despair. And I think it was like 14 years that lady dealt with that. And Jesus touched her. So, uh, just take a moment. I looked on Facebook before I came here just to see if there was any updated posts on the youth. And I did see that they had put on there two. One, they're doing a prayer. There's a group of about 50 who are doing a prayer walk through Asheville. I thought that that's cool. And then there was also another group they showed that are passing out tracks. And I'm not sure where that is, if it's Asheville or uh, Black Mountain or where. But uh, So I know that's two groups. And I had asked, I texted Robert because he's a Daniel chaperone to see how Daniel's doing. And he, he said they weren't in the same group, so he wasn't sure how the work day was going. Well, I asked him what he was doing. He was cleaning out a creek bed. Um, and I'm not sure what group that was for, but I think they're doing all kinds of different types of ministry. So, you know, it's a real blessing that they're not only hearing it, but they're able to do something hands-on for, for the Lord. So, you know, just continue to remember them in prayer. and uh, be a blessing. We're, tonight we're going to look in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, as we look at a scripture that uh, deals with Elisha and a widow and how God came through in the life of a lady going through despair. So I encourage you to turn Second Kings chapter 4 and stand in God's honor as I read from his word. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you reach out to us in the times that are dark and where despair is all that seems to fill our minds. You are our hope, but there are those times. We just pray uh, that you would remind us as we look at this account, Father, and how we can depend on you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The picture of despair uh, is painful. It's defined as a feeling of total helplessness and hopelessness. You ever found yourself in a situation... Uh, where you felt there was no way out. You just felt like you were trapped in darkness. 
Psalm 30, verse 5, in the Amplified, I I like that particular translation. It, It says, For his anger is but for a moment. But his favor lasts for a lifetime, or in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I just break that down for a moment before I move through the text because I think it's just such a wonderful word from God. The ancient songwriter, as he writes these words in Psalm 30, he starts out, he says, for his anger is but for a moment. Now that's good news. As I think about a holy God who has all the power and all the rights to zap a bunch of sinners like you and me. Because the truth of the matter is, We're not worthy of his grace. We're not worthy of his mercy. We don't deserve his favor. And the scripture says his anger is but for a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Or in his favor is a life. There is a God who seeks us out not to hurt us. But he seeks us out to show us a savior. He wants us to know him through this life. He wants us to know his favor. But then he goes on as he closes at the end of that verse. And he says, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. There are those times in life where there's weeping. There's hardship. Uh, My aunt, uh, her and her husband uh, had a daughter, uh, Marcia. And when she was about three years old, she had a stroke that left her at that mental capacity for the rest of her life. And I, so, you know, for years and years, they decided not to institutionalize her. They wanted to care for her at home. But as she, you know, as they went past retirement age and she was an adult and they were still caring for her and she had the mental capacity of two, three, four-year-olds, and it was hard for her. And, you know, I talked on my phone, on the phone to my sister uh, this week, um, you know, after the wreck with Matthew and everything. We were talking about, you know, difficulties and hard times. And she had said, I, you know, that I, she said, I asked Aunt Ruth, I said, how do you deal? How do you deal with pain like that and just struggle that's day to day? And she said, that Aunt Ruth said, you just deal with it as it comes. And, and, you know, that's just so simple. But isn't it so true? And it's so easy to become engrossed in your own despair that you don't see other people's despair around you. You know, there's different kinds of despair. Um, I was, uh, you know, some people deal with health issues. Uh, you know, it bothered me seeing Mark struggle with that cane this morning, whatever this health issue that he's going through. And I don't want to start a long list because, boy, there's some people around here that have some health issues, right? But that is a difficult issue to deal with. You know, health's a wonderful thing when you have it, but the moment you lose it, <laughs> you think, wow, that was a good thing when I had it. And there's the despair of some who go through tough times in marriages. And, and, you know, praise be to the Lord, you know, Cindy and I have been very blessed. And there hasn't been a time where I thought, you know, our marriage isn't going to work. But 
I've known a lot of people who have gone through a divorce or who are very unhappy and and it's just a time of despair. And I talked to a friend of mine this week, a guy I went to college with. I joke about him because I say he has more degrees than a thermometer. I think he's got uh, two doctorates and three master's degrees. And he hadn't been able to get a job. So he had, I called him this week and, and he told me, he said, I was going to call you, but I, I'm about to get a job. <laughs> I hope. He's been he's been wanting to be a teacher. Uh, and I won't spend a whole time going into his history, but... Uh, he, he's very excited about an opportunity to teach at this place. And he told me, I didn't realize it had been this long. He told me today, or not today, when I talked to him a couple of days ago. He said, I'm hoping to get this job. And uh, there was one thing I wasn't sure about, but I wasn't going to show any sign of doubt because 14 years is long enough to wait. 14 years. He's been working part-time as a chaplain, but a full-time job. So, you know, there can be that sense of despair. I mean, what, you know, what do I have to do to work this out? You know, whether it's a job or whether it's a health concern or whether it's a family member that breaks your heart. Um, you know, sometimes it's a child that breaks your heart. Sometimes a grandchild. Sometimes it's a parent. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I guess as a pastor... I guess there are some things that surprise me, but it seems like it's less and less as years go by. We can get ourselves in some real messes. Or if it's not us, it's people that we really, really love that get in these messes. And uh, because we love them, uh, you know, I remember one thing Andy Stanley said in that one of those studies that we watched with Andy Stanley was, he said, uh, when somebody makes a mess, somebody has to clean it up. And that's really painful. Uh, you're part of part of the family. John sixteen thirty three words of Jesus: In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart; I've overcome the world. And that's a hope that we got to lean on. So, with that in mind, let's let's get in our text here, and uh, we'll go through this account. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So now here's this lady, she's obviously a, a you know a woman who loves the Lord, her husband was one of the prophets, uh, you know, I mean they were about God and they were about loving God and they were about serving God. And yet her husband, we don't know the exact circumstances, but he was taken away. And it's easy, you know, when those things unexpectedly hit you to say, wow, why did this happen to me? How could this happen, Lord? You know, I'm the good, you know, servant of the Lord and my husband. And she said, your servant, my husband is dead. She said to the prophet Elisha, cried out to him. And you know, he revered the Lord. He was a godly man. You knew him, Elisha. But now his creditor is coming to take away my two sons as a slave. So, so here's her two-pronged problem here. Debt was piling up. Her husband, uh, you know, he was no longer able to have any income coming into the house. And these debts, as they mounted up, uh, they were going to come in and they were going to uh, force her sons to work for them, to be slaves. And according to the Jewish law, as you... Look in the scriptures in Leviticus 25. 
It talks about that if an Israelite is too poor, then he is put into um, working as a, a servant up until the time of Jubilee, which it's a 50-year period, depending on when that next time of Jubilee is. So she has upon her mind, not that her sons will be slaves for the rest of their lives, but for a very long time, or until this debt is paid off, or until the time of Jubilee. So she has faced upon her a lot of fear, a lot of pain, a lot of despair that is facing her. And I want you to see here, as we go through here, first she turns to the Lord. She says, uh, it says here in the scripture that she cried out to Elisha. She cried out to God's spokesman, to God's servant of the Lord. To cry out, it, it, the word literally means to moan and to weep uncontrollably. Or it's just, just this it shriek of, of grief. She's devastated, basically, is what the scripture is speaking of. Just... Totally broken. Words don't express it. Um, it's it's one of those things where what you do is just go and you hug her and let her cry. I mean that's that's where her heart is. It, it's something you don't immediately fix, but you lean on the Lord as she cries out. Psalm ninety one one and two. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, I've always loved that text. because It says, when I dwell underneath His shelter, there's a shadow of protection. Not from the blast of life, not from the despair, but from certain defeat and death. To be able to rest in God. and So he turned to the Lord. Cried out to the Lord. There are a lot of places you can turn. A lot of places you can cry out. But there's only one place where there's not disappointment. Because it's not that people want to disappoint us. It's where we're a weak bunch. And we can only do so much. But we have a God who's not confined like we are and limited. And so she cried out. As she spoke to Elisha, she was crying out to the Lord. For that help. And, and that resulted in talking to the Lord. Um, you know, I think I've, well, I've spoken quite a few times. God's trying to teach me. I, I, have, a, I have a habit of when, when I'm hurting or have bad things, who can I call? Who can I call? You know, pick up the phone. I'm going to call this person, man. I'm gonna, I need to vent a little bit. I need to, you know, let it flow a little bit. Let it talk. And, and I'm not saying there's a time for that. But I think what God's trying to tell me is, Maybe the first place I need to run is him. Just get along somewhere and talk, you know, talk to God about it. I'm not saying there's not a time to talk to other people, but it's so easy to just get you in, you know, in a pity mode where you're just, I've been there. And you know the problem with a pity party, nobody wants to come, you know. And to to talk to the Lord, and and that's what we see that, uh, that she really wanted was to cry out to the Lord as she cried out to Elisha. Remember, we're familiar with the song, Tell It to Jesus by Edmund Lawrence. Listen to the words. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? <laughs> Tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. 
Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious? What shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus. Alone. One thing I have learned, though, is I can tell Jesus my opinion, but he doesn't always follow it. Part of the problem is we say, God, take this away from me, but we don't fully understand his plan. Maybe we're there in the middle of the mess because he's wanting to teach us something or he's wanting to glorify his name in it, and we just can't fathom how because the mess hurts. And I think that's what we see in this case here in the scripture. Uh, look, as, as we go down through here, he says, um, verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So she talks and as, as she gets some... Um, counsel on what to do it doesn't seem to make any sense all she has is a little bit of oil and the prophet says hey you know you just keep pouring it in there you know and then as she does that all the jars become full and stop once all the jars are full as he does that work it you know just a little bit of faith it's not how much you have it's being willing to give that to the lord not how much but what you have And that's what she did. And as she worked, as she talked to the Lord, and as she trusted the Lord, and as she obeyed and and did what what was asked of her, God worked. Even though it seemed crazy, even though it didn't seem like the thing to do, God was at work. It says, she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. You know, I think it's interesting here, too. She, the Lord filled up all the jars, knew exactly what she needed. And then it stopped flowing. At that time where there was nothing left to fill up. Um, sometimes we don't understand what God is up to and as he works. But we just have to trust him through it. I, I ran across this. For example... We trust a pharmacist and a doctor and someone had said, you go to a doctor whose name you cannot pronounce and whose degrees you've never verified. He gives you a prescription you cannot read. You take it to a pharmacist you've never met. He gives you a chemical compound you do not understand. Then you go home and take the pill according to the instructions on the bottle. And all of it takes faith. And so it is with her. She did what was asked of her to do. And when she did, God was at work. And uh, notice what he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And so that's what she did as she trusted the Lord and and uh, paid the debt in full. As a matter of fact, uh, there was some left over. As we see in verse 7, he says, you and your sons can live even on what is left over. I'll take care of you. Now, this is certainly, you know, not a section of Scripture where I can say, you know, God's going to immediately 
meet the need and immediately take away the struggle and the pain as was in this case and then every and the rest of your life you know you got this flow of of money that you can depend on that's not the point the point is that God saw her through this and that by trusting God God provided and God worked through the situation um, through it all he has a master plan and we trust him through that to do the plan and to be at work. Um, it's never too late to trust him. You say, well, I should have trusted him earlier. Yeah. But isn't it good that he doesn't keep count? I love the fact that he loves us in such a way that he loves us where we are, regardless of where we be in. And love us regardless of where we go. He loves us. I love. I read about this uh, preacher in Evansville, Indiana. And he went a few years ago to visit this guy who was 93 years old. Who was dying of cancer. And they just had a heart to heart. Uh, the pastor and this 93 year old man. And he said, look. My life, I've been a hell raiser. I've catted around with, with women. I've drank uh, a lot. <laughs> he says, I've been in all kinds of trouble, all kinds of fights. And, and uh, he said, I don't deserve to be forgiven. He said, I don't deserve God's grace and mercy. And so then he looked straight at the pastor and he said, tell me, do you think it is fair for a man like me who has gone one direction for 93 years to ask God to forgive me and send me another direction? Things got quiet for a moment and then the pastor looked at him and he smiled and he said, No, it's not fair, but aren't we fortunate that God is not fair all the time? Sometimes he's just loving. And so they prayed there didn't the 93 years wasn't held against him but the moment of trust in Christ is what made the difference no matter where we are in despair at the moment that we're willing to trust him God forgives let's pray uh, Lord tonight as we think about where we are um, sometimes Lord we despair sometimes it just feels dark. Sometimes we need to talk to you about it. Sometimes, Lord, we need to trust you. And What we hear from you doesn't seem to make sense, Lord. But our call is to do the best we can, Father, in obeying you and following. And to trust that you have a plan and that it's right to follow you, Lord. And so, Father, you know where we are. You know the different struggles represented in this room uh, and the struggles represented by those who may be listening, uh, Father. You know where we are. And so I just pray, Father, that you would give us a, a sense of your presence and your hope, Father. For we don't have to live defeated in despair. You love us. So I just pray that you teach us and you show us that, Lord. 
Thank you you don't hold our past against us. May we, Father, turn to you at this moment and realize that you love us with all your love regardless of where we've been. So, Father, I just pray that you work. I don't know what you may want to do, Father, tonight, that maybe just someone who's heard your voice needs to say yes to your call. And I pray that be the case as we prepare to sing and as we prepare to just follow you, however that may occur, Lord. So just guide us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. I surrender all.